Welcome to a special presentation of Behind the Page, where we at Marvel vs. Marvel revisit the comic book histories of some of your favourite Marvel characters. If you're joining us for the first time, each and every episode of MVM is packed with this kind of history and trivia as we explore the Marvel movies and the comic books that inspired them. Let's take a little trip, Will, behind the page, and let's look at how the comic book version of the Civil War came about and, and, and took place. As we know from the trailers of the movie, this is about Avenger versus Avenger. It's about superheroes fighting, and, and that's not an uncommon thing in comic books. In fact, it's it's quite common. Um, it is almost a trope mm. of superhero comics to have one superhero come across another superhero and engage in a fight <laughs> um, <laughs> before resolving their differences at the end to then go after a common enemy and realize they're on the same side. Yeah. That's a very common trope. There's no real meaning behind the the, the skirmish and it is a skirmish. It's not a fight. It's a skirmish. There's no purpose behind it. What's it's, the difference between a fight and a skirmish? Uh, skirmishes are much lighter. Much lighter. If me and you got tanked up, had a few bevies, and then I didn't like the way you said a certain thing, and we threw a few punches, and then, it, but after a little while, we resolved things because we realised we were being a bit silly and drunk. Mm. That's a skirmish. It's not a fight. A fight is when you do not you you have you have antipathy towards the other person and you want to make them hurt. Oh, God. that's a fight. Okay. Or you need to stop them. You need to do something to them. Um, it, it was it was it's very common in superhero comics. In DC comics, um, when superheroes meet each other, they almost always got along. Um, in the 50s and the 60s and, and things like that Superman and Batman regularly teamed up together in, in, a, in a comic book called World's Finest <laughs> they they didn't like meet and then fight each other they, they helped each other solve riddles and overcome bad guys and very non-antagonistic situations who could we get to solve this riddle a really smart guy you know get the flying guy he's really good at solving riddles he's got a well, Sudoku well, it's the other way round. Basically, Superman ne always needs Batman when some bad guy... In the 50s and 60s, Kryptonite was more easily available <laughs> than H2O. <laughs> Every two-bit hood and gangster had access to Kryptonite. So Superman was desperately always after Batman to come and stop the bad guys because he couldn't go anywhere near them. So um, Kryptonite is the equivalent of there. there's a spider near my car keys. Could you move it for me? <laughs> 100%. 100%. <laughs> Could you get rid of the spider? 
<laughs> but yeah. but things were very different in Marvel, as we've talked about in our Fantastic Four episode and our Avengers episode. Marvel is not like anything else. It it, it is incredible for the way that it has these heroes together, full of antagonism for each other. Mm. The Fantastic Four, there are all these unresolved issues. Um, the Thing blames Reed Richards for how he, his transformation, how he looks. Um, and he dislikes the Human Torch because the Human Torch is a carefree young guy who's cool and good-looking. And his powers are cool and awesome. Whereas the Thing's powers are, he's a monster that everyone hates. <laughs> and there's all this... All this antagonistic energy between them. The fact the Avengers, I mean, especially once the original lot leave and it's Cap, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, uh, Quicksilver, you know, when it's those, they are all at each other's throats all the time. Um, despite the fact they're heroes and they have a common shared kind of goal and interest. Um, so conflict is is very it is like the, it's the it's the spoon that stirs the pot in Marvel, and it never is in DC. Yeah, they get there eventually, but it's because they copy Marvel. Quite frankly, um, Marvel, Marvel, the Marvel characters are not the cookie cutter Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. They're not the super friends. Yeah. Um, and and they're just as likely the Marvel guys are to fight each other as they are the, the the bad guys. They offer more complexity, emotional complexity, um, and uh, and complexity of um, of objective. Like, what do they want? Yeah, in the Avengers yeah. in the early days of the Avengers, there's this whole thing of. Uh, all the men want to look tough and strong in front of the Scarlet Witch, Wanda. And they also want to look like they are the leader in front of the public. Mm. That's really important in their minds. That they don't look to be subservient to another hero. Really petty. Deeply petty. Um, th there are these uh, clashes that happen throughout the years... Um, Spider-Man will fight Daredevil, you know, Daredevil will battle the Hulk, and the Hulk will battle Doctor Strange. And But there's, there's, there's usually, like, a reason behind it. It's like one of the characters is being mind-controlled. Mm. Or one of the characters... This is like a mistaken identity thing. Like, um, someone dressed up as Spider-Man commits a bunch of crimes, so Daredevil goes out to stop... Spider-Man from committing crimes and fights the actual Spider-Man who hasn't been committing crimes. Or there's an imposter who's in, you know, the, the, those things are very heavily tropes to get these clashes, these battles between heroes and between Avengers and stuff. Um, perhaps one of, I think it is the earliest example of the hero versus hero fight for real. A crossover if you will. Yeah. Um, is our, our old friend Steve Engelhart, who we talked heavily about in our Wonder uh, Scarlet Witch and Envision Deeper Dive, because he's like the auteur of 
of the Scarlet Witch and Vision. You know, he's he's a he's a, he's a big Avengers author and writer. Steve en- Englehart wrote this um, story called The Avengers Defenders War. Now, again, if you go back to our last uh, episode on the Incredible Hulk series, you'll know we discussed that the Hulk has this team that he's a part of. It's it's kind of an anti-team team. Once he's kicked out of the Avengers very early on um, and and can't have partners and all that kind of stuff, he does find characters and, 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 and heroes in the Marvel Universe that he can gravitate towards. Doctor Strange... The Silver Surfer, Namor the Submariner, who rules the uh, underworld Atlantis, um, and and they they often uh, vibe together as vibe together. <laughs> they often well they do a little bit. Yeah. They, they 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 don't hang out together particularly, but they work together and fight together as the defenders. Mm. Um, and especially in the seventies, they were quite a popular team, a, a team whose popularity rivaled the Avengers. So, uh, Steve Englehart wrote this storyline that ran through both the Avengers comic book and the Defenders comic book for, uh, in 1973, it's like a four months kind of event called the Avengers Defenders War. And it's, 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 it's an example of the very first, one of the earliest crossovers between, um, between superhero characters where they are battling each other and really a sign of, 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 of what is to come. Um, but they are still all examples of frivolous, um, frivolous skirmishes. Frivolous yeah. skirmishes. Okay. Mind control, magic trick, mistaken identity, alien <laughs> imposter, clone, robots, civil war could be nothing further from that. Civil War, it, it comes down to a, a a passionate difference in how the world should work. This is not an accident. This is not something that will be resolved by discovering Iron Man is a clone. This is... Okay. <laughs> Real story. I worked in a pub for 10 years, pulling pints. I drank in that pub for about 20 years. I lived in that pub for a long time. Like, literally lived above the pub. Mm. There were two people that I encountered first as the closest of friends. And one day, they had the most spectacular falling out I have ever seen in my life. Oh boy. And they when they were angry with each other because they were brothers basically, they knew all the buttons to push. Oh yeah. And they have not reconciled since. This is this is this goes back 8 years now. And it was a absolutely heartbreaking thing to witness as you, as i as i am holding one of them back yeah um it is a horrible thing to witness and just it, it when it snaps it snaps um this is not a case of it will all go away in the morning civil war in the marvel comics lasts 
for years Ooh. in the mindset. The war might end at the end of the of the of the miniseries, seven issues, right? The mindset, the consequences, the aftermath. Um, so to to perhaps explain to people how a crossover works especially with marvel um we have many episodes about it um mainly bonus episodes so one of the very first um sort of marvel crossover events is called secret wars yeah we've got a bonus episode all about that will you were there for it i was Um, it's a story of the biggest most popular heroes and villains being teleported to a, another world to take part in this kind of gladiatorial war that happens but that's like a self-contained mini-series it doesn't affect the comic books back at when well, it does because the characters are missing so they are missing they're not in their their mm. their, their, their their stories back at home um but but it doesn't revolve it doesn't it, it doesn't entangle all the marvel universe just the ones that are off there we have another incredible well maybe our best episode the age of apocalypse which we released um to the world it was a bonus episode for many 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 months and then we released it to everyone uh, as a as, as just a free special episode for them the age of apocalypse that is an x-men exclusive crossover Ah, so the yeah. Age of Apocalypse doesn't affect the Avengers and all of that. The the, the Spider Man, um, Fantastic Four, those comic books carry on regardless of what's happening in the X Men comics. So you get a lot of those kind of. You may well have um, Maximum Carnage. We talked about that in one of our bonus episodes. That is just a Spider Man only crossover series all the spider-man comics and characters will have this maximum carnage storyline but it won't impact the x-men for example yeah house of m was marvel doing for the first time in a long long while a line wide crossover yes. we have an amazing bonus episode on that on patreon and that that story impacted and affected and roped in every comic book um, in, in, in the Marvel Universe. Uh, the year after, they decided that was so successful, we're going to do it again. Um, and, and that's how Civil War sort of came about. Well, but it didn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, Marvel has been uh, through bankruptcy. Okay, right, we okay. talked about that in our Age of Apocalypse episode. Mid nineteen ninety six, ninety seven, Marvel goes through this bankruptcy, is bought and sold, and it, it, it spends a long time trying to get itself back on track. It has this new editor in chief, Joe Quesada. Now, Joe Quesada is not a businessman, although he is very good at that. Joe Quesada is a writer and artist who has a deep, deep history in the world of independent comics. So when he gets the reins, it is like, holy crap! Do we not now? We don't just have like a a um, a self like a a, um, a self made businessman in charge of Marvel's creative direction. We have a guy who is a writer and an artist doing it, hmm. and he. This leads to some of the Marvel makes the bravest boldest moves (laughs) ever and it works with the company okay so 
They launched things like the Marvel Knights line, which gives us the incredible Garth Ennis Punisher series we yeah. talked about, where um, Punisher is able to be hilariously over the top and also super violent and all that kind of stuff. Um, and he's able to, to give dark... The Marvel Knights gives dark spins onto classic Marvel characters. And he also launches the ultimate Marvel line the ultimate marvel line is um a series of comic books that are separate and independent from the regular marvel universe that's been running since the 1960s it starts slap bang year 2000 which at the time was very relevant <laughs> and not 22 <laughs> year 21 years old it starts slap bang in the year 2000 and it's like okay let's tell them the spider-man story from the start but it starts in the year 2000 and it's really relevant and it's really modern and up to date and it's awesome and they do the same with the avengers who in this world in this ultimate line are called the ultimates and they do the ultimate version of the x-men and it's very up to date and they retell their stories and they're able to be very modern and incorporate lots of um kind of uh, zeitgeisty things like you know terrorism and surveillance and and and, and all that kind of stuff these things work hugely under Joe Quesada, and they revolutionise Marvel Comics, both of them, to the point they're winning um, like critical acclaim, and they're, they're they're making huge amounts of they're not huge amounts of money, but they're being very financially successful. Mm. House of M, I mean, what Quesada does is he gathers these incredible creatives together, these people that have been outside of Marvel before. And then he's brought them in to work on he do a Marvel Knights project. He gets Kevin Smith to do Daredevil. He he, he gets these guys to, in to come in and do the Ultimate line and the Marvel Knights line and things like that. And then when he's confident enough about it, he he turns them loose on things like X Men and Avengers, and that's how we get House of M, which is very very successful. Written by Brian Michael Bendis, who um, is the guy writing Daredevil very successfully and and, mm. and Ultimate Spider Man very successfully. So he gathers all these top creators, top creatives together, artists, writers, editors, and and, and to to um, what is essentially a publisher's retreat, right? To spend the weekend coming up with with ways to um continue, i mean initially save marvel with house of m um and when that was that house of m was was forged by two writers called brian michael bendis and mark miller ah um, mark miller yeah brian michael bendis was was writing daredevil and ultimate spider-man at the time and doing very very well mark miller was writing The Ultimates, which is the ultimate version of The Avengers. Very dark and aggressive. And he was also writing Ultimate X-Men, similar. And those two guys had had really great success. Um, and and they were... But they were outsiders still. Mm. Um, they had been independent comic writers and artists not very long ago. They're given a voice at this summit. And they basically say, the Avengers suck. (laughs) The Avengers absolutely suck. And they've sucked for a long, long time. 
And that's how we get this total change in the Avengers, okay? That's how we get this incredible storyline called Avengers Disassembled, which destroys the Avengers from within and allows them to rebuild the, the, the team and say, the Avengers needs to be the top-selling characters in Marvel. So forget about all these B-list, D-list characters, which had been what Marvel Avengers would have been about for so many years. The Avengers needs to be... Um, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Daredevil, Captain America, Iron Man, you know, and then we can throw in some ones I like, Luke Cage, and mm. this, that, and the other. Um, a total change, not just in the characters, but but in, in in who the Avengers are. The Avengers went from being the government-sponsored, government corporate lapdogs to outsiders, superhero outsiders. Making their own rules, breaking their own rules, and 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 that's how we get House of M. Mm. Civil War is the year after, okay. roughly. Roughly, it, it's the most financially successful crossover event in Marvel history, and it was never meant to happen. <laughs> okay. Um, th- th- there's another one of these three-day retreats where all these creatives come together. Joe Quesada, um, Tom uh, Brevert, who who is a, a very influential and and, and long long-lived editor at Marvel Comics. Brian Michael Bendis, Mark Miller, J. Michael Straczynski, Greg Pak. They all come together to discuss the next big story event in Marvel, which is scheduled on the books. It's going to happen. It is a major. Hulk event. World War Hulk. Damn. The story involves Hulk becoming um, essentially the king of another planet and then returning to Earth with his own invading alien army. We will (laughs) cover it one day very soon, hopefully. But the problem with with that is the the creators we're having with it is that um, when they're planning this out, the Hulk events were all happening too quickly. This 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 huge seismic change in the Hulk's character and his purpose was all taking place over the course of six issues. <laughs> like <laughs> issue one, he goes to space, and then but he then within six issues, it all has to be resolved. He has to go to space, go to the planet, become a king, come back, and then attack Earth. And and it just was not working. It was just far not enough time was taking place. That's when uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Miller start having these big creative discussions, like they were having the year before with House of M. It's late night. It's in their hotel rooms. The the actual meetings are over. <laughs> they're drinking a little, you know, they're drinking a little uh, kind of room service, and just like the last time they'd done that, they ended up creating. Avengers Disassembled, the new Avengers, the House of M, that had all been huge successes, they come up with something else. And they walk back into this retreat on the second day. And it's this idea that is in the shadow of 9-11, in the shadow of Guantanamo Bay, the War on Terror, and the Patriot Act. Please hold those things in your mind as for the rest of this episode. I will, yeah. The awful atrocity and the lives lost at 9-11 and the, and the World Trade Center attack. The 
was we now know deeply immoral and illegal Guantanamo Bay and the Patriot Act, the legal enforcement of government oversight. Miller and Bendis pitched this idea about the divide in America between freedom and security. Yeah. Civil liberties being stripped away in the name of um, protecting the country from, from, from terrorism. Yeah. And in the Marvel Universe, this divide is represented by Captain America and Iron Man. Um, on, on, on different sides of this debate, this divide, this argument. Um, and, and, and this civil war breaks out, and we'll discuss the reasons why and how as we go forward. But what it ends up doing is being the most financially successful uh, Marvel crossover event ever, and giving the Hulk story another year to breathe to start at exactly the same time and spend 12 months taking place off world while this war takes place only for it to finally come back and reach the shores of the avengers which we'll get to um mark miller was interviewed and and described civil war as uh, a story where a guy wrapped in the american flag is in chains as the people the american people swap their freedom for security (laughs) and that's what we're going to get into on this show thanks for joining us as we revisit some of our favorite moments from marvel versus marvel don't forget our full-length episodes are jam-packed with hours of Marvel trivia, behind the page, behind the scenes, and comic book Marvel history. <laughs>